You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. A little bit of a special edition podcast. I've got Buck Sanders with me here recording on a Sunday night, but I've also got Don Callahan, the legendary Don Callahan. It just continues to grow. Don, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. I feel like I'm cheating on Ross a little bit. Um, I feel like I'm cheating on Ross. Ross oh, yeah. is not going to be happy. He's out, He goes out of town, and then I do a podcast with you. I mean, yeah, what is he, he going to think? How, how are we going to explain this? <laughs> well, the other night, he took a shot at you when we were talking about he did. Uh, Silver's commitment. And so here we are getting him back. <laughs> what, what was the shot at me? You were asleep. He said you were counting the sheep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Great I, stuff. I, I have to get my beauty rest. Yeah, absolutely. Especially after a weekend like this, you're going to need a ton of it. Yeah. Sort of a, you know, everybody that's listening to this podcast has followed Inside Carolina, followed you over the last few days. But just sort of recap your whirlwind the last four or five days as recruiting analyst and recruiting expert for Inside Carolina. Yeah, so um, obviously the situation with with Drake May went back a lot further than than the last few days. That was something that we've been tracking for a long time and talking to sources. A lot of it was like, hey, this is going to happen. We don't know when. This is what's going on. Don't say anything, that sort of thing. Um, So I actually went to the Carolina Stars, which is 7-on-7 team, probably the best 7-on-7, well, definitely the best 7-on-7 team in North Carolina based out of the Charlotte area, which is the team that Drake May is part of. Went to their practice, talked to Drake there. We ran a story earlier in the week that really kind of pretended a lot of what would happen, you know, on, on Friday. So so anyway, fast forward to to Friday. Um, by that point, we had no we had known that, that it was going to happen, but we just didn't know when, what time. Um, we started to get a time frame and everything like that. And uh, I actually, on a personal note, I was supposed to go downtown with my wife, uh, downtown Raleigh with my wife on Friday night. And a couple of the sources I was talking to to try to figure out what time frame, because I obviously wanted to be available because it's a huge story. And I had two sources literally told me I wouldn't go out on Friday night. So uh, anyway, so I, I got out of those plans and um, my wife was able to make some plans with some friends, which sort of worked out. And then just as my wife left, Drake May actually committed. So we had to cover that. Um, and then um, from there, some things started to trickle out that 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 uh, that was just the first domino to fall to kind of to set off a um, you know a bunch of other commitments. Found out Kobe Pesor, I guess after the fact, found out that he had told the UNC staff that, uh, hey, if you get Drake May, I'm I'm on board, and um, and that's exactly what happened. And we actually have a really interesting Q and A with. Uh, with Kobe, who's a four-star wide receiver out of Kings Mountain, who who kind of breaks breaks down just what kind of happened, and he basically said if Drake May doesn't flip to North Carolina, that uh, he he wouldn't have uh, committed to UNC, um, but he did say that that uh, UNC was going to be his uh, 
his um his leader at the time. And then um on Sunday we get to Eli Sutton who he told in our Q&A another another really good Q&A as far as just going into detail about what kind of happened and everything. He mentions that um he had decided a couple of weeks ago that he wanted to commit to North Carolina, but wanted to do it in person, wanted to do the whole handshake. Hey, I, I'm, I'm with you guys, that sort of thing. But once these other commitments started happening, he um, decided, Hey, I, I gotta, I gotta keep this momentum going and let me be another domino to fall. And so he committed on Sunday. Um, I'm forgetting about Keyshawn silver, which, which uh, you guys obviously talked about on a prior podcast without me with, with Ross. Um, yeah. He, he was a situation where, you know, he, he was leaning towards North Carolina for a very, very long time, privately leaning towards North Carolina for a long time, but definitely was interested in some of the SEC schools, particularly Florida. And from North Carolina, they kind of felt like, hey, if he takes a visit to Florida, and he was scheduled to visit Florida this past weekend for a junior day, then we might miss out on our opportunity to to get this kid. And so they really kind of put down the clamps on him during his visit on Tuesday um, for the basketball game and successfully scored his, uh, his verbal commitment. And, um, and yeah, so uh, yeah, he had intended on uh, coming out with something later on, you know, a couple weeks after he did a video and all that, but decided, Hey, might as well just do it. Had some chicken wings and I guess, you know, chicken wings helps me make a lot of decisions also. And he decided, Hey, let's, um, Let's go with this commitment at eleven thirty at night on a on a Tuesday. Yeah, if we had a, a sponsor that served chicken wings, they they'd have gotten a lift all through the week. Um, before I get Buck in here to talk some perspective as far as North Carolina football, I do want to ask a question about the dominoes falling question, and I, I feel like I know the answer, but I wanted to get your take. I mean, a lot of times you hear guys talk about. If this happens, I'll do this or, or whatever. And I know Pesor said that. Um, but getting Drake May into the boat after decommitting, first of all, decommits and commits to Carolina right away, which I don't see that happen a ton. But how important is it to get sort of the the kingpin or the linchpin of a class being a high-level quarterback and one quarterback in May that is seems to be buddies with everybody in the state as far as on the recruiting trail, I mean, quantified that importance for this staff. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously huge because you're, anytime you land the top quarterback in state, I mean, that's big. And then landing the kid whose legacy, I think, I think that was important. I think North Carolina had to get Drake May. I know a lot of people disagreed with me on that for, for a while, but I think it was important for the message to, to land Drake May. And then really, I mean, Flipping a kid from Alabama is just is just really, if you think about it, a, a football player from Alabama is just insane. Obviously, it's a little different because he has a legacy. And really, you mentioned the fact that he was um, he he switched. He didn't just decommit and then wait wait it out and, and make some visits and everything. But I think really, if you take North Carolina completely out of the picture, I think he stays with Alabama. I think he was happy with that situation. He had a couple questions about what was going to happen with the quarterback situation, but that obviously hasn't settled itself down yet and, and may not have settled itself down until the football season, to be honest. So I think he was set with, with kind of riding it out with Alabama to see what was going to happen. And really the only school that he was going to switch to 
at that point, and this is based off my, my recent conversations with Drake, was North Carolina. And, you know, there's some schools that kind of reached out to him. And I think really if he if he would have decommitted and then kind of waited it out, things could have got really dicey because I think Clemson would have really became a player in there because they're looking for a quarterback and they're not having too much success with um, they're recruiting the, the Caleb Williams kid from um, uh, the D.C. area. Um, and uh, they're not a sure bet to get him. So so obviously they probably would have became a player in Drake May because he was one of the f- few quarterbacks that, that they had offered. But, um, I mean, it, it just really speaks volumes. I think it talks about just um, where this program is going to to have such an elite player switch from Alabama to your program. But now I bring in the – king of perspective here i mean you and i followed this carolina football thing for a long long time i remember vividly uh watching mark may play for north carolina i think he threw for 409 or 419 or something like that down at georgia tech way back in the day so i understand the legacy it also makes me feel old but buck in your time watching carolina football i mean this has got to be and i don't want to overblow it at all but this has got to be probably the most momentum this team has had this program has had at least since Mac Brown's last season when they were pretty dominant at least going into that Florida State game Um, and I'm including 2010 because we we see how that worked out but give me your thoughts on it as as somebody that's followed it as long as we have I mean I, I can't remember a time where Carolina football is like a big, a big, big, big deal. In terms of the football program itself, you know, there's a lot of things we could talk about in terms of, uh, you know, they, they got to a bowl, they won the bowl in impressive fashion. Uh, all of their losses were um, less than one score. I mean, there's a bunch of we could talk about in terms of the program itself. But in terms of recruiting, I can't remember a time when North Carolina has uh, accumulated so many highly ranked prospects so quickly back to back to back to back, Uh, starting with uh, Keyshawn Silver, uh, the Drake May flip, um, you know, Kobe Passore, which, you know, even for Don came out of left field in some ways. Um, so, uh, and, and then, you know, the, uh, the offensive lineman they got from Tennessee, but without getting into the specifics of each recruit, um, the momentum that North Carolina has in recruiting is very impressive. And, you know, uh, we were talking about Drake may and, you know, what that meant, you know, when North Carolina got. Kashawn Silver, uh, you know, there was some information out there, out there about getting him and what he meant and all that sort of things. And, and he'll be a, he's one of those rainmaker recruits that's going to get other people involved. But ESPN, when Drake May flips from Alabama, that's a story, you know, for ESPN. That that really reaches out way beyond you know, just the ordinary commitment story. Uh, so, 
you know, all of those uh, commits coming in a very short period of time. Uh, I, I can't remember a time when there was that much momentum in recruiting and apparently it's not over with yet. Uh, maybe this Wednesday, uh, there might be another recruit that jumps to North Carolina. They're up to number five, I think five or four, uh, nationally in recruiting. They almost have as many four stars as they had all of last year. And, you know, there, there it's March 8th, you know, so, or 9th when people hear this podcast. So, uh, the momentum I think is the big story in recruiting much more so than the, uh, you know, the individual guys involved. Let me take a, a short break. Talk about Johnny t-shirt and Johnny t-shirt.com. Look, they're great sponsors of this podcast. They're also great friends of inside Carolina and therefore great friends of inside Carolina subscribers. If you get the chance to get to Chapel Hill and you don't go by Johnny t-shirt, you're missing out. First of all, you miss out on legendary Franklin street, but then you also miss out on one of the best stores and longest tenured stores on Franklin street. And that's Johnny t-shirt.com. Johnny T-Shirt and Johnny T-Shirt.com offer you everything you could possibly want Carolina-related. Basketball, football gear, getting ready for spring practice, you need some new football swag, baseball swag, anything else you need. They've got your schools of pharmacy shirts, schools of journalism, anything you want, everything you need for tailgating, everything you need for fun in the backyard, fun on the patio, fun at Chapel Hill, fun on the beach, anything. Johnny T-Shirt, and especially JohnnyT-Shirt.com for those of you that can't make it to Franklin Street. Best thing about their service is their customer service is great no matter where you are. In person, on the telephone, online, they help out. They help you get what you need. And if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, and if you are not an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, you don't know what you're missing out on football recruiting. We've got Donnie Scoops here on this podcast. You can hear what he has to say, but he gets real in-depth on the Inside Carolina Premium boards and on the Inside Carolina Premium message board threads where you can find out anything you want to know about Carolina football-related, Carolina football recruiting-related. Don Callahan, Sherelle McMillan on the basketball side, definitely worth your time to join Inside Carolina's message boards, and you get that 10% off johnnytshirt.com. Don, you know, you've covered it for a long time, and you talked about it a little bit, but we talked about it off air. Um, sort of put this weekend, and we'll start with Silver on Tuesday, um, sort of put this stretch in perspective for Carolina fans as far as your knowledge of it, your coverage of it. And, I mean, we see other schools, um, you know, recruiting across the ACC, a lot of folks keep up with that. And the national guys, I'm sure that the elite schools could point to huge stretches like that. For North Carolina, though, I mean, for Mike Brown to turn this around this fast, have you seen anything like it? In your, in your thoughts when Mike Brown was hired, did you expect this in any way? I, I did not expect this when Mac Brown was hired. Um, I didn't expect him to turn it around so quickly. As far as if I'm just comparing it to UNC, even though I feel like I've been around a long time, I've only covered, what, two, four different staffs. So, you know, I mean, Butch Davis did pretty well early on um, and, and got things rolling pretty quickly. Um, but as far as like this weekend or this 
I guess, week or so, uh, if we want to include Keyshawn Silver. Um, I've, as I told you guys off the air, I've been, um, uh, I've been trying to dig in to see if there's any sort of time frame where something similar has happened. And so far, I haven't been able to, to find anything. So you got to think that this is pretty big. And then if you talk about the fact that, you know, um, and Buck mentioned this, that May and Silver aren't just four stars. They're, they're, they're top five guys um, in the state of North Carolina, regardless of what ranking you're looking at. I mean, that's, that's going to be pretty difficult to beat. And then you, you add on, you know, Pesor and, and Eli Sutton, both four-star guys. Um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, just looking at it with um, May coming in and Silver and all, it's just sort of, you know, I can't keep up with it all. You know, I've talked to you before, and I'm, I'm one of those guys that wants to see them when they get to Chapel Hill and see them in the Carolina uniform but I certainly understand what it means for Mac Brown and his staff. And, Buck, you know, Mac did this once before. It wasn't covered like it is now. We didn't have Donnie Scoops covering Mac Brown 1.0, but he put together some serious recruiting classes there, especially, um, you know, in light of going 1-10 and 10 and 1-10. and 10. So I think when we all knew that when they finished six and six or seven and six post bowl win, it was going to be big. But I don't want folks to forget Mike's first go around, Buck, and that certainly should have been a sign for us following North Carolina football. You know the thing that's changed, I think, Tommy. And you know, let, before I go there, let me first say that football recruiting really became a thing during the Mac Brown 1.0 run. I mean, before, before that, for the most part, you know, even as closely as I followed UNC football, there was some information out there and I'll give a shout out to the poop sheet, uh, which was available right along in that time period, maybe a couple of years before they started covering recruiting, uh, and, but nobody else really was there. There was just nobody really out there covering recruiting, uh, prior to Mac Brown. Certainly, uh, you would get the, uh, signing day list in the newspaper and they would just list people that they signed and, the, maybe their heights and weights in the school that they went to, but that's about all you got. But during the Mac Brown era, that's when football recruiting really became a thing in terms of a a topic or a niche topic within the subject of UNC football. And, you know, what he did in recruiting is, you know, mind boggling in a lot of ways. When you look at the, you know, the culmination of it in 96 and 97, when they went back to back uh, in the AP top 10, you know, a lot of that was just sheer recruiting. I mean, uh, he just did such a good job at uh, recruiting and evaluating players. But what, you know, where I started out was what wasn't true back in those days is the level of talent in North Carolina. And Max talked about this himself, that the level of talent in high school football and even in, you know, 95, 96, 97, that time frame, 94 forward, isn't the same as it is today. The talent is just so much better. And this year, particular year, 20, 
uh, 21, the talent this year is just so good that, you know, if you're the number two or number three player in the state, you're a big deal. And, and so I think that's, what's different. Um, and so he's not half, he doesn't have to, uh, necessarily, uh, go out of state. He could go out of state for elite talent. And that's something else he's talked about, but, you know, even in his last class at North Carolina, you know, there were some players in there, uh, and Tommy will remember this. Well, he can speak to it as much as I can. Billy D Greenwood, uh, he was from Connecticut or Massachusetts somewhere in there, uh, you know, a Northeast player and they had Rufus Brown from, uh, Mississippi and Rayvon Anderson from New Jersey. And I want to say in that same class was Philip Sims, a quarterback from Louisiana. Uh, and Tommy, you can correct me on all that if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, he, he went out of state a lot, uh, even in those last classes, because there just wasn't the level of talent, uh, in the state of North Carolina as there is today. And Don can also speak to that, but I'll, I'll shut up now because those are the points that I, I would, uh, kind of emphasize is that, you know, he has a luxury of getting half his class or more from the state of North Carolina and every single one of those players being, uh, you know, elite level, uh, division one players. So that's different and he's taking full advantage of it. I agree there. Um, you know, part of me has always been, um, and I think it has a lot to do with your rivalry games, to be honest with you. Um, and when you have kids from the area or have players from the state and Don Mack has certainly hammered that point home. He did it way back and he's done it this time, but I mean, how, and I don't want to say simple because you still got to work um, and they still have to do work, but how much easier do you think, or is it easier for Mack to recruit the state of North Carolina, especially given how last season went? I think, I would say, and I wonder if you would agree, that the Clemson game, even though it was a loss, was a very, very big deal for Mac Brown's program this time around. Yeah, I, I think the Drake May situation kind of epitomizes what you're what you're talking about because we did a couple of interviews with him last summer and even before the summer where he kind of sort of hinted at and sometimes outright said that he wanted to go to a football school and did not view North Carolina as a football school. And I think the fact that he committed to Alabama in July is a pretty good indication that looking for a football school was pretty important to him. And, um, you know, in talking to him after the fact, you know, he says, you know, that Clemson game, as you mentioned, was kind of the turning point for him. He needed to view North Carolina as potentially some place where he can go and do special things. And uh, just the way North Carolina played last year kind of showed him that, um, that hey, that, that this, is, this is a place, this place that my, my dad played at, that my brother played basketball at, is a place that I can, I can do what I aspire to do, um, which, which is key. And that was kind of the one thing that I've talked about for a long time, back when, when May was um, committed to Alabama, and, and I took a lot of heat for that, was just 
I felt like that was super important because if you can't get a kid like that, convince him that North Carolina is a football school, how do you convince Peyton Page that North Carolina is a football school? Peyton Page, who has no connections to North Carolina. So um, going back to what we said earlier in the podcast, I mean, it just it says a lot that you're able to um, to convince Drake May through that season. And I'm sure that there's a lot of other kids who North Carolina's recruiting now. Uh, maybe they're committed. Maybe they're not committed yet, but they're lo- still looking at North Carolina. They convince North Carolina. They convince those recruits that North Carolina is a place that they can go and and compete for championships. But one question that, and I'll get Don's follow up on it as well. Is I mean, Mike Brown said he wants it to be cool again, and we keep coming back to things Mike Brown basically predicted when he was uh, in his introductory press conference. To be honest with you back 16, 18 months ago, but he said he wanted to be cool again. And when I look at a guy like they got Sam Howe flipped from Florida State, and then Howell, not only does he flip, because it's one thing to get highly rated recruits, um, it's another thing to have them perform up to their ranking, for lack of a better way of putting it. And Sam Howell certainly did that. He had a lot of help um, with a lot of skill guys, but Sam Howell being on this roster certainly has made North Carolina it's gotten North Carolina a ton of press uh, but if I had to point to one guy being the catalyst in that regard it's how but do you agree with that absolutely and I think Don would just suck at that as well uh, and we've seen the quote uh, and and you you said it yourself but we saw the quote elsewhere that um, when Sam Howe flipped from Florida State to North Carolina he and recruits have made this statement, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that Sam Howell made it cool uh, to come to North Carolina again. And, you know, not only did he come to North Carolina, but as you said, Tommy, he had a whale of a year, and it was kind of a perfect storm uh, with with Mac Brown bringing in Phil Longo, running a air raid type of offense, and actually having some guys on the team like uh, Diami Brown and Daz Newsom, Bo Corrales, Toe Groves, um, Javante Williams, and Michael Carter. You know, Sam was sort of set up for success. Now, he, he probably didn't have the offensive line that he'll have next year. Uh, because of their inexperience and whatnot, and he really couldn't run the ball like they wanted him to because he had no real backup. But still, the the year that he had, uh, you know, and the media that he's gotten, the media recognition and hype that he's gotten uh, as a result of that year has made North Carolina a cooler place to go in terms of football. And I think Don would be the first to admit that uh, some guys that he didn't think North Carolina had a shot with at all, um, you know, after this year. And then, you know, particularly in this last week with uh, Kashawn Silver and Drake May and those two in particular committing to UNC. You know, I I, I said today in a post on uh, Inside Carolina message board that, um, you know, there was just no, uh, there's no ceiling that I can think of for this class. I mean, we, we sort of have an idea about the floor, but 
you know, there, there are some big names in play and we really don't know what they're going to do. And those names probably weren't in play 12 months ago. And I, you know, I can kind of let, uh, Don chime in on that. It, it's fascinating. I wanted to jump in right quick, Don, because I wanted to ask you a question in that same line of thought there. We talked about, and we've talked about a lot in recruiting shows, that wins and losses aren't necessarily uh, what gets kids to commit. Now, you need to be on the upswing, and we've talked about the importance of the Clemson game, even though it was a loss, which is pretty ironic. But the tri- the, the, tra- the trajectory of the program is certainly a big deal. But, Don, in your opinion, how important is it um, – the performance of players at a recruit's position. Uh, you've probably been asked that question before, but how important is it for guys coming in to see the current guy in their spot getting a lot of time, getting a lot of uh, ink, getting you know stats, putting up numbers? How big a deal is that? It's It's important, but it also can be somewhat of a deterrent. Um, because you have situations where like the quarterback position where, you know, Sam Howe playing well could have deterred Jacoby Criswell last year from coming to North Carolina. I'm sure some schools who were recruiting um, Jacoby probably use that against uh, North Carolina, you know, such as Arkansas when they finally came into the picture. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, kids want to be developed and when they see a, you know, a history of development, um, that's important. The thing is, is that all of these development and, you know, this coach saying I developed this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy, that happens everywhere. So I almost kind of feel like it ends up being a little bit of a wash, but I think that there are certain players out there that, um, you know, I guess resonate a little bit more to recruits, you know, like like Sam, what Sam Howe did. And there's, I mean, he was, he was constantly on SportsCenter. I don't think that mattered too much to Drake May, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, Drake was going to judge whether he's going to be developed based off of his, you know, conversations with um, with Longo and and what he has done not only at North Carolina but uh, at Ole Miss and other stops and everything like that. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely doesn't hurt you to be developing players at whatever position it may be. I've got one more question for Don and then one more for Buck, but I'm going to take a short break. Come back. We'll finish this podcast, Inside Carolina Podcast Special Edition, recruiting with Don Callahan and Buck Sanders. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We're back. Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyT-Shirt.com, Buck Sanders, and Don Callahan. Last question for you, Don, and then I'm going to let Buck wrap it up. Um, the importance of staff. Matt Brown's got him a, a, a great staff now. How important um, are the individual staff members and what they bring? Because, I mean, a guy like Drake, uh, a guy like Dre Bly, has been, I think, huge for Matt Brown and his staff. But a lot of people um, talk about it, getting a good staff or a solid staff. In your opinion, Matt Brown's staff, as it's currently put together, um, how would you sort of rate them? I mean, it seems like they can do no wrong, uh, you know, on the recruiting trail at least. Is that your opinion as of right now? Yeah, I think. I think it's an unbelievable recruiting staff. And I think that really um, is, is why North Carolina is having such success, you know, the past two classes, really. Um, and, and that, you know, Mac is obviously involved, but I think his impact on recruiting more than anything else is the fact that he hired these guys, that he did his research and knew that these were the guys that he needed to, to hire to have a good um, recruiting staff. I mean, you know, we talk about guys like Tommy Thigpen all the time, but you know, Lonnie Galloway is a great recruiter. You know, um, I think really the steal as far as recruiters are Jay Bateman. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of times coordinators on a lot of different staffs do very, very little recruiting. And North Carolina has had guys like that in the past have done very little recruiting. Jay Bateman is involved with every defensive recruit and then, you know, recruits his areas and um, makes an impact on and every single one of those guys, all of those, those recruits, mention uh jay bateman but really i mean you know uh, stacy sherrill's another one he had a really good relationship with eli sutton that was established pretty quickly sutton talked about a lot uh, talked about that a lot in the q a that we did um you know longo has done a really good job of establishing relationships and just talking to drake may you know the fact that longo um didn't didn't pressure him just kind of, you know, like you said, he went to one of his playoff games, even though he's committed to Alabama and just kind of sat there and, and watched, talked to his head coach. There was no pressure. Just, Hey, you know, just let you know, we're still here sort of thing. And I think that was important. I think if you pressure a kid like Drake may that, that might work against you, you know, and then you mentioned Dre Bly who, you know, has done really well, you know, um, has obviously was, is related to Josh Downs in last class and did a really good job of pulling him in. But I think, Dre has done a really good job of just kind of being a team player and kind of um, assisting in certain recruitments. And Drake May's situation is a great example because he has a prior relationship with Drake May and was was there. But they're more of kind of like, hey, you know me from before I came to Carolina. You can trust me and that sort of thing. And and Dre's making similar sort of impacts on guys like Evan Pryor, who's a, a recruit that UNC is still going after. Um, and Dre actually coached him in, in Pop Warner. Um, and there's other, other recruits that, that Dre isn't listed as a primary recruiter, but he's had a significant 
impact on. Crazy how it works. Uh, you know, but old man to old man or old guy to old guy. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to sit here and be sort of as excited as the fan base is for Carolina football. But, man, I don't think there's any other way. Wrap this show with your thoughts on uh, Mac Brown 2.0 thus far going into spring season number two for Mac and his staff, and and the train keeps on rolling. The, the fact of the matter is, Tommy, that uh, the Mac Brown 2.0 that North Carolina got was much better, is much better, a coach and a head football coach than Mac Brown 1.0. And and you know it as I know it, um, and even though you do me the courtesy of calling us both old guys, I got a few years on you yet. Uh, But, you know, even so, we we both lived through those years, and, you know, there, there was a time when, you know, Mac didn't really know. He's never been a real X's and O's coach. And, you know, there was a time when he didn't really know whether uh, th- this type of offense and this kind of defense was what he wanted going in. And, you know, that he would change, you know, offensive coordinators from time to time. And, uh, you know, so there was a lot going on there. But uh, he, he came into this situation after five years of, uh, working for ESPN and looking and talking to looking at all the top, uh, college football teams and talking to all of their coaches and spending time with them. He came into it, knowing what he wanted. He knew right off the top before he ever hired Phil Longo that he wanted an air raid system. And, uh, you know, he, they were, you know, we kind of, you know, laugh and talk about the whole Greg Robinson situation. But even before all of that transpired, uh, the word was that, you know, they really did like Jay Bateman and what he was able to accomplish at Army. So he was somebody on their radar even before that all uh, shook out. And so he, he kind of knew what he wanted in terms of offense and defense um, and, and, and this past year, he's made a big deal out of wanting to get better on special teams. And so he, he kind of came into it, a 2.0 version with a much broader perspective, much broader knowledge, uh, greater appreciation for what works and doesn't work. And, and personally, I think because of where he is in his career, he's much more likely to roll the dice, you know, during a game, you know, he's done things in games this past year that I never saw him do in 1.0. He, he was much more of a conservative guy and, you know, trying to play the percentages. And now he's much more likely to, Hey, this is how I feel about it. We've got to go for it now. And we're going to roll the dice and let the chips you know, fall where they may, like the uh, attempted two-point conversion against South against uh, Clemson. So I, I think the the version we have of Mac Brown um, these days is a different and more evolved and a more savvy head coach than the first time around, and that's why I think we're seeing things happen faster. Uh, he knows how important 
having great recruiters are having Lonnie Galloway, having uh, Robert Gillespie, Tommy Thigpen, Trey Bly, John Lilly now, uh, which is something we haven't talked about, but a tremendous, you know, uh, fill in for having lost Tim Brewster. And so uh, I just think he's a savvier, uh, a little bit more of a gambler, you know, which will, you know, probably serve him well and ill maybe in some games, but he's different than uh, the Mac Brown that, uh, you know, Tommy and I kind of grew up with in a lot of ways. So, uh, and, and I think his appreciation for having those elite recruiters on his staff is something that, uh, you know, he is, he's totally bought into and as, as we see is paying dividends. It's just fascinating to watch crazy how fast it's come along. Um, crazy that I got to have a chance to talk to Buck Sanders and Don Callahan on a football recruiting podcast. We didn't go too in depth. We'll leave that for Don and Ross a little bit later in the week, but guys, I appreciate y'all taking the time on a Sunday evening. Don, you've been crazy busy. Um, Buck president's always busy and we made it happen. And guys, it's been a pleasure. I hope our listeners enjoyed listening to this inside Carolina podcast sponsored by Johnny t-shirt and Johnny t-shirt.com. Thanks, Buck and Don. Thank you. Thanks, Tommy. And thanks, Don, for make, taking time out of your busy weekend to make this happen. I know you've had a, a very busy last week, so appreciate it. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. I told you imaginary friends are real. This is just so exciting. Now, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.